Let's find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your love coach and host, Nikki Lee. And today, I am going to get to introduce you all to a longtime friend of mine who is an author. And I've, I've known Carolyn for ages, and I get to, we're going to delve into things we have never talked about before. So, Carolyn, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about your background? And we actually met because we, we both do um, writing and promotional work. So we've known each other quite a while. Oh, I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah, we've done a lot of cross-promotion without even knowing we were doing it, right? I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, my name is Carolyn Howard Johnson, and yes, I am an author. In fact, a multi-award-winning author. And um, my most recent book is a memoir, which just happens to fit in with a lot of what Nikki does. It's a memoir about a few of the years I spent with my very long-time husband during a bout of depression that he had and how I learned more about myself through his depression and about uh, how I learned more about him and how about how it brought us closer together. And we have now been together 57 years and are going stronger than ever. The years were rough, but we worked through it. And that seems to fit in with one of Nikki's many messages about relationships. So here we are. By the way, my website is howtodoitfrugally.com. That's right. She writes promotional books too, you all. (laughs) Yes. I'm I'm a marketer, and you are going to notice that. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I am too. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Reasons we get along so well. Right. Actually, we actually we all are, Nikki. We don't realize that we're branding when we get up in the morning and choose what clothes to wear and and comb the rat's nest out of our hair. That's branding. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, the, it's what we're presenting to the world for that day, right? You know, and, and there's a lot of authors that don't understand that kind of thing, but you know what? We both try to help them understand that more. A lot <laughs> of people out there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Business people... Yes. Anybody in your audience who does anything, even even works from their home or whatever, they've, they've got to know something about marketing. They do. Branding is one of my yeah. big things I always talk to people about because it makes yeah. a big difference. Yeah. So I, first question I have to ask, the book is called Here's How I Don't Cook. Where in the <laughs> world did you come up with that? <laughs> uh, you know, I guess I was always making excuses to everyone uh, through decades when women were expected to cook. And luckily, uh, one, one of the things that's kept my husband and I together for so long was he didn't expect me to. And then that's after a, he realized how bad a cook I was, he didn't want me to. So, that's bad. <laughs> and, yeah, and when, when he was in his bout of depression, I, um, you know, real clinical depression, not just, oh, I feel a little depressed today. He was really sick. And so uh, when he was when he was going through that, and I had to start doing some cooking just because I had really basically an invalid in the house, uh, I started remembering a lot of things that had contributed to my attitude about cooking. So um, being a writer, I just started writing them down, and it became a memoir. 
You know that knowing you, that does not surprise me at all. Yeah, <laughs> just keep writing. <laughs> People who don't think they're writers can, can come up with a book if you, if you just write stuff down. <laughs> well, you know, start journaling. It's, well, and, and I even tell coaching clients to start journaling because it, it's so helpful to get these things out. I, I just did that with, with a, a partner of mine, too. I was, we were talking about something that was irritating me, and I just, I just put something down on paper. I said, I don't mean it. I just need to get out of my head. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. So it helps. So let's, let's go back to the very beginning, 57 years ago. Were you two a match made in heaven? Was this like a love at first light kind of thing? Yes. Really? It was. Yes, it was. Um, in fact... Speaking of writing, um, I don't believe anybody really ever makes anything up from scratch. I mean, everything's right. something you, you, as a writer, as you uh, you envisioned, based on what you have had already experienced. Makes so, sense. Okay. when I was writing my first novel, I threw in a little chapter about when I met my husband uh, for the protagonist in my novel, which oh, ended cool. up being an award-winning novel, and. Um, you know, I, I fictionalized it a little bit because I needed to make it fit into the storyline. But for the most, most part, it was true. But the real story is that, um, is that, I, that I looked up from my desk where I, was, where I was a reporter for the Salt Lake Tribune, and there was this very tall, handsome hunk walking down the hall with one ski and one half of the other ski slung over his shoulder. Okay, and I thought, "Holy cats! That when that one is adorable." So I asked my editor who he was, and she said he worked down in what they called the back shop back then. This is back in the days when a newspaper was run not with computers but with linotype machines, hot lead, and lots of murky black smelly ink. Right, and right. he did what they what they called. Um, well, the, he, he managed the ads that came in and arranged for them on the page and then would shoot the pages up to editorial to fill them with the stories we'd written that day, et cetera. So okay, cool. without information, I knew where to find him. So I started asking her if I could, instead of, instead of letting the, the copy boy run, run the stories down to the back shop, if I could do it. Ah, I like that. Okay. So yeah, so I did, and he thought I was cute too. So that was that was the start of something beautiful. That is so cute. See, and I was expecting a no. But you know, I think that when you marry young, which a lot of us did back in those days, that the likelihood of its being love at first sight, or or at least strong attraction at first sight is um, a lot greater hmm. than it is today. Interesting. All right. That, that's, just, that's just my personal theory. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people, um, you know, people, I think almost everybody I know had, had something like that. You know, everybody in my age range had something like that that, that could put, be put into that love at first sight category. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So what about the – because I'm, I'm a firm believer that it's very good to be friends and then be something more. Oh, I agree. I agree. Well, that, that way, too, you've got the friendship. There's, there are some dangers to doing the love at first sight thing. 
Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. It, it's, kind can, of, it, it's kind of, there's some dangers, there's some dangers involved with hopping to bed with somebody the, on the first date. Well, that's true, too. So it's, it's, basic, <laughs> it's basically related to that kind of thing. You know, once, once I think maybe especially for women, but maybe not, uh, once you've, once you've had sex with someone, um, it's much harder to, to, to break up, to say, no, this isn't going to work. No, we've got too many basic differences, et cetera. There, there's, a, there's an unspoken sometimes commitment that goes with that. Do you think maybe it's, it's more a lot of people, and, and not everybody does this, but a lot do, automatically have more expectations once they've had sex? Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's it, there, I was interviewing a woman the other day who um, is an escort, and we were talking about how certain things, like certain people, you want, you, you can't just say, I love you, and, and they're automatically going to think you mean lifelong commitment, and you can, you can mean that in a whole lot of different ways, you know, so it's, how is the person taking, and what are their expectations based on what you do and what you say? Yeah. So, but your communication is a big deal. <laughs> you have to communicate. Absolutely. And I'm betting that over 57 years, you all have communicated a whole lot about everything imaginable. Yes, and you know what? <laughs> I've always been a better communicator than he is. Oh, yeah. Um, so, um, uh, and it's amazing. We had, we, had, we had lots of really rough years, and I think many... Many women would have given up, um, but we also had businesses to, that we owned together, and a house, and two children, and um, and came from a background where where loyalty was stressed. Uh, we have a lot of similarities in our background, as well as a lot of differences. We're two different religions, um, and we both ended up not being very very religious or religious at all. Uh, but we grew to, in many ways. We grew together over the years. So um, sometimes my theory is is that if you just hang in there, uh, my mom and dad had the happiest old age together, and they had had some rough years too. So um, so I've seen it happen at least twice, and this probably probably goes back in the family even farther than that. Very true. <clears throat> that's that's like there's a um, one of the the images that floats around Facebook from time to time is is we got together back in the time when you, you fixed things that were broke, you didn't just throw them out kind of thing, which is, it's, you know, the same, yeah. same kind of idea. Yeah. Now, there, there can be times when work, you, you seriously can't work it out with the other person, but at least, you know, you need to at least try to work things out. Yeah. You know, at one point, you thought enough of that person to commit yourself. Right. So um, the likelihood that you're going to leave that behind and find somebody else that works out that much better with is not really that high. Yeah, well, and, and the thing is, analyze how you made the decisions the first time. And yeah. Think maybe you need, maybe the, the decision process wasn't the best, and what can you do differently the next time? <clears throat> I talk to clients about, about examining patterns in, like, their dating or, or marriage, if they've been married multiple times. And the thing is, are there certain things you're doing every time that maybe aren't in your best interest and aren't working, so 
these are things that you need to, to look at and do differently to have a better outcome. You know, kind of like that, if you keep doing the same thing over and over, don't expect it to be different because it's probably not going to be. Yeah, and I think, I, I think that, that, that you put your finger on, on one, of the, one of the big conundrums, that generally a person who's happy and willing to give up too early is not the same mm-hmm. kind of a person who's happy and willing to do the research and the self, self-analysis that's required for success second time around. Well, and you know, one of the things, second question about why I call the show Ready for Love, and, and one of those is, and, and I outline this on my, my archive page and where I have descriptions about the show, is you're not just automatically ready to be in a committed relationship and in love with somebody. You may, it may be love at first sight. But the thing is, we need to work on ourselves personally to get to the point where yeah. we're, we're healthy enough to have a healthy, loving relationship with another person. Because uh-huh. if, if you're going into it expecting that other person to make up for some lack in yourself, it's just not going to work. You know, it's not. You need to do the work on yourself first. Exactly. What are and some tips? The other thing that that, 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 that that age differential just doesn't, you know, the, the age differential between people is really non-existent if we, let, if we let people in, if we talk to them, again, if we communicate. So um, you and I are pretty much different, different generations. We are. So, according to some people, we shouldn't be talking, right? <laughs> we should be we looking at right. each other and saying, "Oh, yeah, fine, move on," <laughs> you know, nod, goodbye. Uh, you know, I, I have always had friends of all different ages because there's something to learn from everybody. And I'm like, you know, if if I learn from somebody that's older than me and done more than me, that's wonderful. And then if I hang around with people that are younger than me, I can help them. So. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So what? What are some tips that you might be able to give couples to help them to communicate better? What are some things you found that have worked? Um, and, and like you said, you, you communicate better than your husband does, and that's, that's a kind of common problem with, with couples. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the things I learned kind of late in life, for both my kids and my husband for that matter, I mean, usually what works on a husband or a love, a love, per, a, a love partner is um, pretty much the same stuff that works with everybody, Right. Right. This phrase, which I had to memorize and learn to use, and that is, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. I'm sure you'll figure it out. You're so smart. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, instead of jumping in and trying to fix it for everybody, when they tell you their woes, they may or may not want you to fix it for them, but let them ask if they want you to do the fixing and you know, decide in advance whether you, if they do ask, you want to do the fixing. Right, right. But whatever you do, don't just jump in and fix it. That's it. Well, sometimes, and I, and I actually did a show ages ago on communication with, with an author that I've done a lot of work with on, on a bunch of her books, and that was one of the things that she brought up is, you know, a lot of times, and, and men especially seem to, to have this issue that they think they have to jump in and fix things. And, you know, the woman may need to there, – there are times I just need to get something out and I just want somebody that cares to listen. You know, that doesn't mean I want them or need them to jump in and fix it for me. I just need somebody – sometimes I just need a sounding board. You know, or sometimes I'm trying to brainstorm, and, and I know that if I brainstorm out loud, I, I get a lot more productive than <laughs> if it just keeps bouncing around in my head. 
you know, so it doesn't it doesn't mean I need it fixed. It doesn't mean I want somebody to jump in and, and take the reins and do whatever. Just just let me kind of voice it. If you have something helpful, yeah, feel free exactly. to take back to me. <laughs> exactly. And some people don't know that that's all they want, but then they feel a little resentful if you're always you know if you're if you're always saying well what you should do is this or and yes. And you know, sometimes unless somebody has actually had some training in the field, whatever field you happen to be talking about, they're not the best people to be giving you advice anyway. Yes, we don't. You know, my mom always. I've, used to I've say, seen people. I've seen people take the most awful advice from their mothers or the most awful advice from their best friend, and it's like. Mm, is this friend a psychologist? Well, no. Is this friend, you know, does, has, has this friend had some therapy herself? Well, no. Has this friend, you know, done any real work on herself? You know, no, no. Well, what about this friend? Is she, you know, is she is she a really happy person? Is she leading her own life the way you'd like to lead your life? Well, no. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's why, a really good Why point. are you trusting her with your deepest secrets, you know? That's, that's an awesome point. Is that person happy? Because if they're not happy, they're going to give you advice they think will work. Yeah, yeah. going to work. No, exactly. Exactly. Cool. I hadn't yeah. thought about that today. I like that. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Put it in one yeah. of your books. Don't forget to credit me. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll, I'll link to your website for you, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've done that in more than one of my books. You know, you know what my mom always used to tell me was, well, you need to blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no. <laughs> so I, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts, but I don't need to do this until I you know, let yeah. me talk it out. It's typical, yeah. Yeah. But, yes, yeah, every sentence started with, you need to. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's on guard, I, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, it does. Well, I never got yeah. to understand that starting that way, I, everything else after that was like the teacher and peanut. Well, well, you know, I didn't help. It just didn't help. Now, but, I don't know how we're doing on time here, Nikki, but you told me that you ran something on Facebook and asked your readers what they most wanted to hear. Yes, I did. I did. I was going. Are you avoiding? Are you avoiding that? Because. No, no, I actually have I have two pages of questions I was sent in by people, so I'm not <laughs> doing that. Well, I told, I told you I could get carried off in the wrong direction here. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm watching the clock. We're good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and my listeners know that I never steer clear of talking about intimacy if at all possible, so we will. De- we are definitely going to talk about that, too. Okay. One of the things, well, let me, let me kind of ask you one other thing I was saying about first, and then that was, that was my next place I was going to go. All right, all right. Well, how have you noticed your and your husband's role in the marriage have changed through the years? Or have they changed? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, yes yes, and no. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly because of the years of feminism, I think that I changed a lot. And um, but I think mostly the changing I did was just by just being more aware of the changes I was making and okay. aware of the things I was doing. Because when I look back now, when I was only eighteen or nineteen, I was I was amazingly assertive for my sex and for my time. And, you assertive. 
shocking. Yeah, I'm a I'm a very gentle, assert, assertive person, and I think I think one of the things is, is that we tend to use think of the word assertive as being a little a little brassy, and there's certainly that quality to it, but. It's really just about sort of demanding what you want. And one of my one of my stories was, my husband went back to New York for school. I wasn't assertive in that I didn't say why, why you and not me. because ah, I okay. wa- I wanted a degree in journalism from Columbia too, <laughs> right? And I didn't do that. Instead, I went to work. I worked for Good Housekeeping magazine. But when I was applying for that job, this was the days when you applied for a job. And they told me, literally told me, that uh, I couldn't be interviewed for the job unless I took a typing test. Oh, yes. Okay. And I told them that I wasn't here for a typing pool job, (laughs) which took a certain amount of assertiveness, right? I would think, yes. And I think that one of the reasons that I did that was, you know how sometimes young people can be kind of full of themselves? I was I was yeah. rather, I was rather insulted, so I said I, I wouldn't do that, and they said fine no interview. <laughs> so then you I know, said well okay, and then they said because I typed 120 words a minute. Are you ready for that? Very good. Well, it's come it's come in real handy as a writer. They they offered me a job in the typing pool, and then I assertively said no. You promised me an interview as an editorial assistant, and that's what I want. Is an interview with the beauty department that was advertised in the newspaper, and I had it. I had the clipping from the newspaper with me. Exactly. So they gave me the interview, and I got the job. But very few women would have done that back then, I think, and certainly, I think my mother would have been appalled. <laughs> well, so I, I, I think. I think I had it in me to start with, but I think that the women's movement and the things that I learned during that time helped me and helped me helped me do it well as opposed to just coming off looking looking brassy and 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 hard which right. It's too bad that when a woman does that, that that that's that that's what people think, because when a right. man does that, that's that's desirable, right? But, yeah, right. Um, but having said that, it that hasn't changed much. So the fact that I can do it sweetly, right, isn't a bad thing. We well, you know you'll you'll appreciate this. When I was in high school, I refused to take typing classes because I was not going to be a secretary. I was not, and I figured if I don't take <laughs> typing, I'm not qualified, right? Well, yeah. My, my first full time job was managing a surveying office, and I wanted to draw. I had the drafting experience. I wanted to draw, and he says, "Well, I tell you what," he says, "I'll make you a deal." He says, "If you'll run the office, I'll let you draw," and I, I jumped at it, not realizing I was expecting like three jobs instead of one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But he actually he actually sent me to night class, and I flunked typing class. But I have gotten better over the years. <laughs> you flunked yeah. typing class, but you but you you you've added a little speed over the years. You know, over the years, yeah. I, I well, I didn't type the way the teacher wanted me to type was the problem. You know, I didn't type her way, and so she flunked me. But but oh, after yeah. writing 
after writing 50 books. Well, I had a really mm-hmm. cute young typing teacher. Oh, uh, see, I, I oh, had a crazy woman so teacher. so cute. <laughs> so, <laughs> that didn't hurt no. anything. <laughs> that, that would I don't be, remember that his name, be. but I remember how cute he was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's, let's, let's talk about intimacy. Let's, you know, I've asked permission if I can talk about this, and you said I can talk about anything. Yeah, that's right. So, so does, is... <laughs> I should have even said, is, is uh, what's her face? Um, formerly Hannah Montana, whatever her real name is. Is she right that sex stops at like 40? Oh, absolutely not. How old is she? She's about, about, about 21 now. She yeah, should, yeah. At 21, she should be old enough to, to be getting a, a few smarts. Well, Molly Instead, of, instead of assuming yeah. that anybody over forty, it used to be anybody over thirty. You know, back in the back in the sixties, when they said you can't trust right. anybody over thirty. Well, apparently, forty is the age now. Um, but I mean, really, <laughs> I, I I wish upon her that next few decades will do her as much good as as those decades did for me. <laughs> <laughs> me you know, too. We, we do get some wisdom after twenty one. <laughs> Yes, thank goodness. Yeah. I, I wouldn't go back to 21 for any amount of money at this point in life. I, I wouldn't yeah. do it. Now, so, you know, a lot depends on her definition of of sex, if she thinks that sex has to stay exactly the same as what she experienced in, say, a, the stairwells or behind the Capitol grounds on the grass at the age <laughs> of 18, then, yeah, probably... That will change. You'll find that there are better places to do it. But, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I, think, I think our expectations and what, what you wanted in, a, in an intimate relationship at, at 21 probably isn't what you want at 60, 70, or 80, I, I'm, I'm guessing, you know? Well, not only that, but your body does change. True. So if you're expecting, if you're expecting to do it exactly the same way, you might have to do some experimentation to find another way that works for you. True. Um, well, you know, it's uh, there, there's also, I think, probably, at least for me, there was a lot more communication going on during sex as opposed to just panting. That's um, good. Yeah. Um, well, so there, there, there are definitely a lot of changes, but that, that doesn't, doesn't mean it doesn't too, exist. Yeah, is, you know, communicate with one another. Don't don't just be disengaged verbally. Yeah. And, and I'm know, not what, saying, sex is really just intimacy, right? And and if you lose intimacy, you're going to lose a lot of a lot of the fun of marriage as you grow older. And I've found marriage is a lot more fun. We share, we, we have more money to spend on ourselves. We travel like crazy. We've visited um, at least 89 countries. I think he's visited 93. Good day. Uh, here's one of my big secrets for success. We didn't ever, ever tie one another to one another's hips like you can't do something without me or I can't do something without you. I traveled and studied without him. He just traveled and studied without me. Um, we've had a business together that was both positive and negative, both hard right. and good. Um, we, um, 
as, as we got a little bit older, he start, uh, my writing sort of infected him. He's, he's, he writes too now, um, based on a lot on our travels. He's written a book, Everything um, uh, Foreigners Need to Know About America, A to Z. And it has been published in China, in Simplified Chinese. It is now being translated and will be published in the Ukraine and Ukrainian. It is now being published again in a different Chinese-speaking country, um, and he published it himself in the United States in English. And it was actually even uh, chosen for um, for a university in the East to host the Fulbright scholars who come from other countries to the United States as okay. recommended reading. So um, you can see I'm really proud of him. And cool. our talents kind of melded there. He wrote, I edited. It was, um, it's been a really neat experience. That so awesome. in many ways we've grown together too. And this time, I'm not saying we don't ever argue a little bit over grammar, but, um, <laughs> but uh, for the most part, it's working out better this time around than it did when we, were, when we had retail shops. That's good. Well, you're a very thorough editor, so I, I can only imagine. <laughs> well, th and this book is huge. I mean, it's a, it's a reference book. He's also divided it into into shorter books for people who just want to know about business or people who just want to know about accent reduction, that kind of thing. But right. um, the major book is is a regular doorstop. I mean, it's a reference book. <laughs> so if you if you were an immigrant into the, to the United States, you could open that book and. It would help you with almost any aspect of life, including dating. That would that would be something you might be interested in. There is his Very chapters good. on dating. Very good. Yeah. So tell yeah. me, and I'm I'm sure at some point over the last fifty some years, y'all gotten into a rut physically. So do you have some tips that you can share that people could could consider when say say the relationship gets to the point where they're just, they're just in a rut physically and and you know they're they still have some kind of intimacy they're probably still having sex but it's just gotten kind of boring any i mean not and we're not talking crazy stuff now <laughs> now, now here's the thing that okay. as i told you you know i said that your body changed your energy level changes i mean a whole lot of things are going to change you're not yes. going to be 20 all your life right Yes. So those changes alone will force you into some of that experimentation you're talking about. Good. Well, I'm, I'm always suggesting that people get creative and, and experiment. And, and the thing is, have fun. I was talking to somebody one day, and, and I said something about joking about something when, when you're with your partner, and he looked at me like I chopped somebody. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't say laugh at each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> together. Oh, it was funny. <laughs> well, yeah, I would think I would think that playing some games might be kind of fun for a change. You know, I mean, uh, um, I also really don't think that it hurts for people to say no to each other. I don't no. think it's any fun to have sex if one doesn't want to do it, for whatever reason, in any given moment. And that's one thing my husband's really understanding about. He's a Scorpio. He really likes his sex, but. Um, um, he's uh, he's also understands that we don't always have the same sex drive at the same time. Right. So, um, it, you know, obviously, I'm not a I'm not the 
any sex expert here, just from long, longevity doesn't make me a sex expert, but uh, I think that that is an important thing, one of the most important things to understand. Well, and, and don't take it personally. Now, now, you don't want to say no all the time. That, that's no. a whole other set of issues. No, you know, and there's, there's such a thing as having sex just because you want to do the, the person you love a favor. You want right. to make them happy. And that's okay, too, I think. But right. well, I'm I, also I, capa- I, quite capable of saying, no, I'm in the middle of a chapter here. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Don't make me nervous. <laughs> Don't interrupt my train of thought. Oh, well, now sometimes a distraction can be good for the creative process. Come on. Oh, <laughs> oh I'll tell him you said so. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you tell him I, that was, well, and, and I'm a Scorpio too, so I'm, I'm with you on the whole Scorpio thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so is this, is, is the intimate um, the intimacy between your your husband is that something that you covered in the book? Uh, no, I was pretty circumspect, circumspect about that. Um, the book we're talking about is my first novel. It was published in two thousand and one, and it's called "This Is the Place," and it's about a different time. I mean, in the time this book was set, which was about. No, 1959, we didn't mm-hmm. even have the pill. Oh, yes, that's right. And a lot of women were chased just because they're scared to death of getting pregnant. Right. If you got pregnant, the world shamed you. Right. That was a right. shameful thing to happen, to have it, have be pregnant and not be married. I mean, the world has come a long way since then. Um, so life was really really different from from a sexual standpoint back then than it is now. And, um, and I think that probably it would be a good thing for young people to read. It, it, it's, it's out of print. It can only be gotten on Amazon as a used book. So I don't get any royalties. I'm not selling you this book. You know? <laughs> I'm not telling you to, to go to this book and read it because I'm going to make anything off of it. I'm not. Um, but it... It's literally about how one one of the themes running through it is about how destructive the um, with the withholding of sex can be within societies that consider that it's a sin to have sex before marriage. Really? Well, no, I didn't that, know that was that, part of it. That yeah, that's 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 part of of. And you know, it, it's one it's one of the underlying themes of the book. Hmm. I mean, at one at one point, my character actually um, tells him that he's that he's going to have they're going to have to get married because she's you know she, she can't hold out any longer and she'll be damned if she's going to um, if she's going to have sex and get pregnant and uh, not ever be able to, f- to to face herself again. Right. Interesting. So, See, um, you talked about this book before, but we never talked about that part of the book before. No, no. So, right. and I mean, it doesn't it doesn't slap you in the face with it, but right. but anybody who anybody who reads it today will absolutely walk away amazed at how at how different life is for women today than it was for women then. 
And of course, it was always the woman who suffered. She was the one who, she was the one who got pregnant. She was the one who got blamed. Exactly. She was, you know, she was the one who had to have the baby. She was the one who had to decide whether or not to have it, whether or not to go into a home and and give it away. Um, I had. In one chapter, one of her best friends, which actually happened to me, uh, dies from um, from self-abortion. Hmm. I mean, women were were doing anything to avoid right. the shame of being pregnant before before they were married, and people counted. I mean, they did. They counted. Oh, you were married June eighteenth. Well, let's see. It's the exactly. And don't think that that doesn't still happen in in some areas within the United States and certainly many places in the world. I, I come from a family that's just like that, too. Every time somebody's married and they have a baby, you can see them all counting. It's like, oh, okay, come on, people. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> as, if it makes any, as, as if it makes any difference at all. So. Well, that's, that's a whole other topic you don't want to get me started on. <laughs> oh, good. Gracious. <laughs> um, so, so how have you two kept things interesting? I mean, because there's just obviously not something new to talk about every day for. for well, you all know, these. I think I think the travel has really helped in our old age, really a lot. Um, if we don't travel, we look at each other and say it's about time to go on a trip. Um, <laughs> you are always going somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if I told you he broke his back this this January. You so did. we haven't been on a trip in like four or five months, so we're we're really we're really eager for him to get better, so so we can travel again. Um, I I think having similar interests, I think being curious. I think the word curious is really important in yes. relationships in general. I, I I don't know about you, Nikki, or, or your or your audience of of I, I I gather mostly women, although certainly I hope there's some men out there that yeah. I think. I think being curious is is one of the main elements of being interesting to someone else, period. True. So, you know, it, it can be anything from trivia to, to you know, gourmet, loving food and doing gourmet restaurants once a week or whatever, but but having some outside interests, which is a, another good reason not to be tied to, to one another's um, apron strings. You know, if you do a few things separately and you bring something different back to the back to the mix, and I'm not talking about sex with another person back to the mix. I'm just talking about bringing something interesting back back to the relationship. Very true. Well, and, and being open to hearing about new experiences that your partners had. You yeah, know. yeah. Listening when when somebody wants to share it, right. <laughs> Exactly. Well, you know, because how frustrating is it when you you find something new and you discover it and you share it with somebody that you really care about? And they're just like, uh huh, okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It just, it just kills it for you. You know, yeah. you still enjoy it, but there's just something about finding something you're excited about and being able to share it with somebody you care about and having them go, "This is great," you know, or or yeah. some kind of, you know, something like that. Well, I love your point about the not being tied to the hip kind of thing. Because I mean, I I've also always thought that having having your own individual identity and things that you're interested in, and then being able to share them with the other person and them doing the same with you, I think that has such an awesome dimension. You know, instead of you know, you don't have to both like all the same people and spend time with the same people and only be interested in the same things. Have some diversity that you bring to the relationship to keep things interesting. Yeah, as a matter of fact. 
I can remember during the time when we had when we had gift shops, and they were interesting gift shops. There was a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we sold Waterford and Yadro porcelain and collectibles, and really fun gifts. And there were a lot of parts of it that I really enjoyed. Um, but I can remember going out to dinner and not saying a word to each other because we were both so wrapped up in the business that we knew everything that was going on anyway. And unless I had just come back from a buying trip or something, it was like, what is there to say, you know? Right. I can remember sitting through a whole dinner, totally silent. I'm sure there were people in the restaurant who looked at us and thought, something wrong with those two, you know? (laughs) So, um, and and that's another example how, how... Marriages aren't always going to be just just lovely to look at, delightful to know stuff. I mean, the songs are all real nice, but it doesn't always go the way you'd hoped it would. True. Well, life is like that, though. Whether whether you're with somebody yeah. else or on your own, there's going to be days where you're just not excited about anything. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to say bored because I don't remember the last time I got bored. But I mean, there's there's just days where there's just nothing new and exciting that you have to share with somebody. You know what? You know what I do? So I guess there's never really a day. When I'm reading a paper mm-hmm. or a Time magazine or whatever, I find all these little tidbits. And and my husband's never actually said, you know, just just read the paper and leave me alone. <laughs> You know? <laughs> so I've never done that. I've never read the paper, loved him a lot. I will stop and say, did you know, or here's this article, or did when you read the paper, did you read about this thing that happened, you know? Okay. Yeah, so there's there's always something. There's always something. It, there probably is for you, too. You just, you know, you, no, it's not big-time excitement, but I'll bet, you, I'll bet there's something going on. Well, I, I do that kind of thing. If if I'm reading something, I'm reading an article or, or talking to a client or whatever, and, and there's there's a couple people that I will just send, like, a, a little text or message or whatever because it's something that I think they'll find interesting. And I... Yeah. Yeah, so I do that. I agree completely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so what is... I'm going to put you on the spot. What is your favorite characteristic of your husband? Oh, my favorite characteristic is his is his reliability. Ooh. That's that, that, I know that's not sexy. That's not... But, um, <laughs> but you know, he he's always... In fact, in fact, I think it was one of the things that led to his depression. He's always been the rock. And yeah, that was tough. You could, that, that can be carried too far to the point where... Uh, where it makes where it makes you sick, where you re, where you re, repress your your individuality or yourself at the expense of the people you love. True, but um, but especially during during our child rearing years, when you really need when I, 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 a partner is really extremely valuable. It, it's just easier for two to take care of a couple of kids than one. You know. Yeah. Um, that uh, it, it just made a huge difference. That makes sense. Yeah. So, but he's also there... got gorgeous blue eyes. <laughs> well, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's just something about 
gorgeous eyes. There it is. <clears throat> but I've also started noticing people's mouth. Some people just have really cool lips, but that's a whole other ballgame, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Body parts. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble with that when I have a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, is, is there something that you wish people getting married today knew that you could share with them? Uh, yeah, although I don't think it's as essential as it used to be, but um, I, I tell them to forget the fairy tales. Yeah, no kidding. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Very definitely. I think you that know? gets us into a lot of trouble. Yeah, it does. Well, and, and it's unfair because, I mean, Prince Charming was made up. <laughs> you know? yeah. You, you, yeah, I'm sure he was Prince Charming for about, oh, maybe six months, maybe a year, up outside five years, you know, the, the famous seven-year itch. Uh, okay, well, give it seven that's... years, but, you know, it's, gonna, it's not going to last much longer than that. That's it. But it, it can come back. It'll be different, but it can come back. If you work it. Well, and, and you know, different isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes, no, no. well, and especially as, as you age, I had, I had a friend that, that her and her husband got married really young. And, and then she, we were talking one day, and well, one of the things that, that we, we found amusing between us, he didn't, is that she hadn't finished growing by the time they got married. And by the time she finished, she was taller than him and could like look right over him into the mirror in the bathroom, which kind of irritates him. <laughs> I can totally, totally appreciate that being That's a tall funny. female. Yeah. You know, but she said the thing was they were they were so young when they got married that they hadn't finished growing, they hadn't finished, you know, becoming a, a person, you know, and figuring out what they liked and what they didn't. And she said the problem was, it, as much as they love each other, and they're still together years and years later, and have kids and grandkids, but it it made things difficult because by the time they reached even their their early to mid twenties. They had a whole lot of very different interests and were becoming different people and didn't really know how to handle that and keep the marriage working really well too. You know, plus having two young children, which, you know, that that's kinda added to the confusion factor. But you know, and but the thing is even even if you've already become a, a quote unquote adult and you know you know, you feel you know who you are over the years that you're with a person, you're you're going to change in some ways. You both are. So, how how do you take that change as a person, your interests, your likes, your dislikes change, but keep the marriage working for the two of you? Does that make any sense at all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, it, it, it just all goes back. It all goes back to communication and right. caring enough about the other person, not necessarily in a sexy way. But certainly that too, in wanting to please them. Um, okay. I, I told you my husband's getting over four broken vertebrae, right? And he's right. he's he's healing quite well. He's very proud when he takes on something new. You know, it's. I mean, he's you know he's not a he's not a young guy anymore. So getting healing isn't even as easy when you're older as it is when you're younger. Your your body doesn't heal as quickly. Uh, right. So yesterday, I look up from my computer, and he's out in the yard, and he's got the hedge trimmers. And he's got this great big long orange cord going out to the hedge. Oh, no. And he has okay. decided he's going to trim the hedge. And 
I rush out and say, is there anything I can help you with? You know, I don't want you overdoing. I'm really, really kind of worried about him, kind of mother henning, henning him, you know. <laughs> and he said, no. He says, my therapist told me just to keep pushing it a little bit each day. And I'm thinking, well, this is more than a little bit here. You know, <laughs> are you going to have a backache tomorrow? You know, what? what? And so, um, and then it dawned on him that I had, it dawned on me that I'd been out in the yard now for four months doing stuff that I never used to do. Talk about here's how I don't cook. Here's how I don't garden, you know. <laughs> and the, and even at that, the garden is starting to look oh, a little bit trampy. And ah. he, um, we'd had a really nice day the, the, night be, the, the night before, the day before, and dinner out, and I think he just wanted to do something nice. And he's not a man of great words. That was his little way of doing something nice for me. There you go. You know, so um, maybe maybe part of answering your question is recognizing the different ways different people communicate. That's true. <clears throat> you know, I would just telling him, tell him he was cute and that, he, you know, he's he's not as he's better at that than he used to be, but he's not that that good at that kind of thing. All right. So then sometimes we have to kind of search out the the stuff that they do and accept it for accept it. Maybe even read them. Maybe even read something into what isn't there. Okay. So that that can can feed our desire to do something nice for them. And, and read something positive into it, not negative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't force a negative where there is yeah. none. Go trim the hedges. You know? <laughs> Anything they've been asking you to do for 10 years, go do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I said, well, it, it's the caring for the other person and being flexible enough to realize things are going to change. You're going to change what you're physically, mentally, emotionally, all of these different ways. Right. Right. But but understanding, you're not only making allowances for them; they're making them for you too, because both people are changing. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and and one more, and I think we got just enough time to cover one more thing. Okay. Um, We were also talking about how the attitudes of other people about aging can have an impact on us. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. It's too bad there's still a lot of ageism out there. My daughter mm-hmm. gets impatient with me. She thinks I'm imagining it. I remember my, my mom used to talk about it. I got impatient with her and thought that she was, you know, making a big deal out of it. But it it does exist. It exists. You, if you're careful and you watch the newspapers, you'll see that, that it exists within some industries more than others. You know, a, a shining example that, that's covered in the newspaper quite frequently, at least in Los Angeles, is that women after a certain age have trouble getting parts. Well, now it's, now it's getting so that Meryl Streep and a, and a couple of other women have handled that better than most. But that's, you know... I do some acting too, by the way. Uh, acting is not is is not something that just goes away when you when you hit thirty five, or shouldn't. Right. It doesn't for men. 
it um, it's easy. It, it, it's it's hard for both men and women to transverse that age barrier, but it's even harder for women. True. And um, and it exists, and yet you keep hearing these stories, and yet no one ever mentions the many, many, many movies that have come out lately. Usually, they don't hit the big theaters. Usually, they hit you know the the little indie theaters in in towns like Los Angeles or Cincinnati. Maybe not maybe not small town Midwest, but certainly the bigger towns. And they're about older people, and they are funny. And when I go to those movies. Uh, we we hit senior night at the Lemley in Los Angeles. Senior night is Wednesday night. Uh, with our loyalty card, it costs us five dollars to get in. We really like that. And <laughs> we have noticed we we also go to a lot a, a lot of movies. I also do little Twitter movie reviews on Twitter. By the way, my my handle on Twitter is at Frugal Book Promo. Um, but when we go, we notice that it's our age group that is keeping the theaters alive during the week in the afternoons and right. pretty much on into the evenings. Almost everyone at the theater, we're the ones with the disposable income. We're the ones with the time. Um, and now that there's some some good movies featuring older people, it makes it a lot easier for us to spend more money going to the movies. But sometimes we run out of good movies and we just have to settle for something like The Terminator, you know? <laughs> so we do. Well, and, it's still, and it's still fun. But um, And I always find something interesting. Like The Terminator, they used a lot of product placement in that movie. Oh, yeah. And being a marketer, I'm rolling my eyes. I mean, product placement, I definitely agree with. I think it should happen. We're a capitalist society. Everybody's entitled to make their money, you know. But honestly, they just overdid it so much that it, that it intrudes on the storyline. Yeah, it, you can definitely overdo that. Yeah. And I haven't seen it quite so bad ever. I mean, I'm especially aware of it being a marketer. Right. But um, I've never seen it quite so bad. I mean... Nike shoes and Pepsi one more time, and I'm going to gag. <laughs> I'll remember that when I watch it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, I haven't seen it yet. But I will. I will not, keep that not only that, but the I, colors. It's kind of a gray movie. You know, it's it's about metallic Terminators, right? So everything's maybe. kind of gray and silver and not very colorful. And then you get these these black and white Nikes with bright red socks sticking out in the middle of a frame and you get Pepsi with a nice bright blue and red logo dancing around the screen and it's like, please, you know. So you can't miss the product placement. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> they, they might as well put an arrow on it and just, you know, point it to the... <laughs> no subtle marketing in Terminator. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, gracious. All right, we we are just about out of time. Is there is there any last minute tips for people who just like I said, just just kind of, and we kind of talked about this, but it, it's something so many people deal with. You know, they're just kind of in a rut, and they just need to do something to get things interesting again. Well, and, you know, I'm not a religious. I'm not a religious person. I told you that. But when my husband and I went 
to, to be married. Uh, we were made, married in the Episcopal Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. And they required, even back then, that we have a counseling session. Mm-hmm. And my father, Erickson, told us never to go up, at, no, to, never to go up to bed angry. Ah. And it's a very old, old axiom. It Maybe is. it's so old that it's coming back again. Maybe not. Maybe it's so old nobody's heard of it. But there's a lot of truth in that. It is It is good to work things out. Something about once you sleep on it, you're just madder the next morning. <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> and and you, you know somebody's going to have to get it, give in and speak sooner or later. So, <laughs> yeah. Might as well just get it out of the way and go ahead and Might, might as well get it out of the way, right? <laughs> that's it. Somebody's got to bite the bullet and talk. So. Right, right. The sleeping on the couch business just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, you want you want to give them your website one more time? Sure, it's howtodoitfrugally.com. And for your audience, do check out the novel. And um, there's a book of short stories called Harkening that's also out of print and available secondhand on Amazon. And, and some books of poetry that you, there's a, a book of love poetry you all might be interested in. You could make up with that. It's called Cherished Pulse. So how to do it frigly dot com. Okay. All right. Very okay. good. Well I think I think we've given us some things to think about. For people that want to listen again, the archive will be on my website. It is www.lovecoachjourney.com and just click on Ready for Love Archives. Lots of information on there. It's really well, nice talking to you, Nikki, and, and it was nice for your audience to come and hang in with around with us and and put up with an old lady. Oh, I see. Uh. I'm glad we got to do it. And like I said, I'm hoping we shared some interesting information with them. And listeners, I will see you next time on Ready for Love Radio.